This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I sneaked into Messi's dad's hotel for a meeting with him. And I said, we want your son. But then obviously he'd had offers from Saudi. He'd had offers to go back to Barcelona. It was then down to him to decide. I remember Victoria being on tour with the Spice Girls without obviously telling anyone. I flew over to see Victoria one night. I'm on the way back to Manchester, just waiting to board, and the gaffer walks in. Oh, same flight. That's unlucky, that. It was yeah. It was yeah, the concert as well. You always used to call me the Flash Cockney. I'd rather be the Flash yeah. Cockney, would you? <laughs> I just felt at that point he would either want me in or you in. Quite surprising he got rid of me and not you. <laughs> Everybody goes on about Cantona, but this man here... You, oh, you're you, too kind. Oh, <laughs> he means his lads. <laughs> welcome to the second episode of Stick to Football, brought to you by Skybet, and I'm delighted to welcome an old teammate of mine, David Beckham, and... Uh, yeah, you've been up to a lot recently. You've uh, obviously brought Messi to Miami. You're shooting a documentary film that's coming out next week, but just talk to us about Miami first, because... I think bringing Messi to the club has captured the imagination of everyone in the world. Yeah, to be honest, obviously, um, you know, when I started this journey 10 years ago, um, announcing that I was starting a team in Miami, my vision was always to bring the best players. Now, I suppose as an owner of a team, you always want to bring the best players, but the chance of bringing the best players is difficult um, and always challenging. But then... I sneaked into Messi's dad's hotel about four years ago in Barcelona for a meeting with him. Uh, and obviously at that point, you know, we wasn't ready to bring him and he wasn't ready to come. But he, uh, I turned around to his dad and said, we want your son. We want him to come to Miami when he's ready. And if that's a possibility, we continued the conversations and with my partners, Jorge Mas uh, and Jose. 
and uh, we just worked on it for four, about four years. And then when he was at PSG, we then saw an opportunity that he was either going to go back to Barcelona, um, but then all of a sudden everything aligned. And then we were still having the conversations. And, uh, but to bring someone like him to, to the club, we knew it would change the club and we knew it would change the league and the sport. But it's beyond that. You know, it's beyond that. What he does on the pitch, what he does off the pitch, you know, for the young kids, you know, to bring someone like him is the dream. And also Jordi Alba and, and Busquets, uh, Sergio. But to bring Leo, he's changed everything. You know, the academy kids now have got someone else to look up to that has done everything, won everything. And he's teaching them, which is, which is amazing. You know, the other day, it was a, it was a funny um, interview from one of the academy kids who's doing really well. And they turned around to him and said, you know, what's the best bit of advice Leo's given you so far? And he said, to walk more. <laughs> he was like, he told me to walk more in the game. He said, because you see more. So, you know, it's, it's, it's already started. So it's already started with the, the good that he does. It's, uh, it's incredible. You know, we've seen what he's done, bringing so much joy. He looks amazing every, every single game. When, when was the moment and what was it like, the moment when he said, yep, I'm there, I'm coming? I think it was actually more emotional than it should have been just because for the last 10 years to try and get this team up and running in Miami, there's been so many obstacles, so many challenges and sometimes it looked like it weren't going to happen and then obviously everything came together once I found the right partners um, in Miami. But the moment I was actually in Japan, the, 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 the morning that I found out that he was coming, um, his dad had called us that week and said Leo's going to make an announcement. Um, and then obviously two days out, they was like, okay, in the next two or three days, he's going to come out and say something. So we were kind of just waiting and I was in Japan working and it was five o'clock in the morning and the kids are in bed, Victoria's still sleeping and my phone is like going mad because I forgot to turn it on silent. So Victoria's like telling me to turn it off. So I pick it up and I saw a barrage of like messages mm. and it was just, he'd come out and done his interview. But we always obviously wanted him to make a decision based on, you know, he wanted to live there with his family, wanted to still win and play, play football in the way he plays it. But we wanted him to announce it in, in his way. And he literally was sat in a hotel room with his mate filming and saying that he's coming to Miami. So for us, it was like, it was an unbelievable, I was very emotional about it because it, it's taken a long a, long, a lot of like, hard work to get here. So the contracts were agreed months before, obviously, and he was just deciding... Yeah. No, well, we'd, we'd kind of... He hadn't tapped him up. He hadn't tapped him up. He tapped his dad up. He ain't tapped him up. Trying to think about what I'm allowed to say. Um, <laughs> all that was already in place. Yeah, we'd, the offer, we'd, we'd made the offer, right. but then, obviously, he'd had offers from Saudi. He'd had offers, obviously, to go back to Barcelona. And the Barcelona one kind of really worried me because obviously it pulls on the heartstrings yeah. for him. He never really got to say a really a proper goodbye at Barcelona. So that was the one that really worried me. Um, but then, you know, it was then down to him to decide. And so that was... I think most of us here think he's you know, one of the best players we've ever seen, maybe the best. I mean, has he gone up in your estimation, you know, watching him in the flesh, seeing him day in, day out? I mean, I played against him, obviously, for PSG and I played against him for Real Madrid at Barcelona. And you could, obviously, he was unbelievable then. But it's not until you physically see him and you sat there and you're watching him and every move that he does and every, every, he never gives the ball away. Um, he's unbelievable for the young kids. He's great with the young kids. And, and watching Leo in training, you know, 
when he first joined, and when he arrived in Miami and he was training, I was there for the first five weeks when he first arrived. And I was in the training ground 7 a.m. every morning just to just to watch him. And I'm 48 years old. So, I, you know, to, to just watch him do what he does, train the way he does, prepare the way, it's just, it re it's just different. What makes him, like, so special? Like, what's that one thing when you're watching him and you're like, why is he the best player? Do you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, were, we all grew up in an era of, like, um, you know, you have to run and... Yeah. Chase and, yeah. and and then you watch him. That's still okay with Bex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the run. <laughs> I made a career on that. Find <laughs> a club, yeah. But he's clever. He's yeah. he's so like his his brain works in different ways. You know, he sees things that other players just don't see for five minutes after that. And it's just it's just amazing to watch. So everything, literally everything, he never gives. Like I said, never gives the ball away. His work ethic is still there. You know, he won the World Cup last year and he still is as hungry as he was when he was a young kid. So it's, it's amazing. Your journey to Cy Messi was a little bit like mine to get Roy to come to the stick to football. <laughs> <laughs> took about four years. <laughs> but just, just, just on the final question on Messi. Um, what is he like as a person? Obviously, I've seen pictures of you out with him, sort of like. Mm. Does he, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking simple things like, does he have a glass of wine? Does he have a you know, a beer or something. Does he do normal things? Yeah, there? he's a... He's, he's a great he's lad, a... is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great lad. <laughs> First in, last out. To be fair, he is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but apart from that, he is. He's so humble. He is really humble. You know, it's just the, the normal things that we all think that's that's how it should be. Mm. You know, he... You know, this, is, this is someone that, you know, especially in Miami, he's not left alone. You know, he's, he's chased everywhere, he's followed everywhere. There's thousands of people every single day at the training ground just to watch him get in his car and leave and drive down the road. And, and, but from the moment he landed in Miami, he drives himself to the supermarket, does his shopping, goes home, and people are shocked at that. But that is him. He's humble, he's hardworking, he's got a great family, his wife's amazing, the kids are amazing. He's just a normal guy with an unbelievable talent. How do you construct a deal as an owner for a player like that to come to your club? How do you even think to start? I mean, the co I, I'm just thinking at, like, Salford level where you're trying to get a player in on a couple of grand a week, but to, how do you bring that together? Just, there was a lot of moving parts, obviously. A lot of people had to um, help us with it. You know, obviously, when I moved to LA, you know, there was different contracts put in. You know, I was obviously allowed to buy a team, you know, at that point, which I don't think they'll ever do again. Then, obviously, Apple were involved and Adidas were involved. So, he's got different contracts. So, it's... You know. <laughs> Did he get a club card? Did he get a club card? <laughs> <laughs> Did he get a club card? Lionel Messi, yeah. 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 Miami, into Miami. I think uh, I got a Tesco club card. This is why people are following him. He's anyway, got his name on his car. You've got a massive week coming up. You've got the premiere of your film, which mm. is, is going unbelievably well. And I, I, I'm there. <laughs> Right, is there? Don't you don't do premieres, Roy? When is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's oh, the third. Yeah. I, mm, I didn't want to take Keenan the attention knows, away from Keenan you. I didn't want to take the attention away from you. He's always invited, Keenan. Yeah. yeah. But apart from dinner in Qatar. <laughs> Yeah. I invited you. Yeah. It was him who uh, made no, the right, decision. That's, that's I told him. I don't to, hold I, grudges. By the way, I told him <laughs> to invite you. He said he won't fancy yeah. you. <laughs> Three weeks out of there. Yeah. Just, just talk to us about the film and why you've chosen to do it now. You know what, I had a plan when I retired to do a documentary um, about my life at some point 
Um, and even back then, I was thinking, OK, the perfect time to do it would be like 10 years after I retired. So that was kind of the plan when I retired. Um, and it all, all just came together. It felt the right moment to do it. At some point, I knew that I was going to do it or have to do it. Um, but it had to feel right. Um, and, and in all honesty, you know, to, to have something like this that my kids can look back on, that my parents can look back on, all my friends and teammates that I've, that I've had over the years, and everyone that is in there has meant something to me, you know, on a, on a different level. Are you in it, bro? A minute, yeah. <laughs> ten, <laughs> ten seconds, did I get ten seconds? <laughs> I, was happy to do it. I was happy to do it, I want to get that out there. Yeah. What's it like, because um, like, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself, what's it like looking back on the you now, looking back at what happened like with the 98 and how you got through that? Um, to be honest, there was a lot of emotions that went with, you know, the filming that I've done over the last two years. Yeah. I probably did about 45, 50 hours of filming. Wow. Um, which I didn't expect to do it, you know, because obviously when, I mean, we've all seen the, the Michael Jordan documentary yes, and yep. he does two interviews and that was my idea of that's what I was going to do and that was going to all be used as, you know, all archive. Yes. But then it changed with Fisher Stevens, the director, all of a sudden we did one interview and he was like, okay, this is different. We yeah. need to do it in this yeah. way. So, but like the, the range of emotions were, were quite unbelievable from obviously my career, but then my family, you know, the kids, my parents, you know, all of, all of that. It was kind of a lot of emotions. And wow. then, you know, going through this, so much happened in my career and not all good. You know, in 98, obviously it was a, it was a tough time for me, but to get through that, you know, it was even tougher. Um, but it, it didn't feel tough at the time because I had the right people around me. I had a manager that looked after me, a team that looked after me, and, and, and teammates that every time I stepped out onto the pitch, yeah. I knew that they had my back no matter what. So mm. it didn't matter what else was going on and being said about me outside of Manchester United. Didn't really matter because all I cared about was my teammates and the team. But when you talk about Manchester United, you've got a couple of players now, a situation maybe with Sancho right now, especially Harry Maguire, the last couple of weeks where, where people are saying the attention, the criticism, the stick's gone over the top, it's gone too far. I mean, nothing can sort of match what happened there in 98 after wow. that, that World yeah, Cup. You know, so worst. this was going on mm. when, when we were players. It's not something just new, is it? No, no, and I think, you know, a few of us went through it, you know, and it always seemed to be, you know, a United player at the time. You know, obviously I went through it, Phil went through it, you know, a couple of lads went through it That's over it. the years, but Wayne, yeah. I think, you know, it, it's, it's a different time now. And in all honesty, I'm happy where it is now because mm. people are able to actually pull people into line about saying certain things because people react different, people... People can't take it sometimes, and it's you know it's a different time. So um, it was tougher. Is football like your escape at that point? Because I look at like Harry Maguire, and everyone goes, he should just be able to get on with it. But you can feel the pressure in his performance. The social but, media side of it, yeah. though, too, that really brings it home a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. did you feel like just getting back out onto the pitch and playing was your escape? Well, Manchester United was my escape. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because at the end of the day, football was my job. But I'd have done it anyway, even if I weren't being paid for to play football, I loved football. So it was an escape, but in all honesty, it was Man United that was my, my, my escape from it all. Because like I said, once I was at training, you know, you know, not talking about Keeney too much, you know, because I don't want to embarrass him, but you know, when you've got someone like Keeney in the team that sets the highest standards, not just in, at the weekend, 
but every single day, every yeah. single day there was a standard set. And I always thought that I was, you know, professional, dedicated, but nothing compared to what Keeney was like. Every single day in training, he wanted to win. We every had a good dressing though, Brexit. No, there was a good dressing was, I always was. say that. There were some brilliant lads in our dressing It was, but you, you know, we always talk about the gaffer, you know, setting the right example, but, you know, everyone in our team set that example. And I knew that once I, you know, got back from the World Cup, I knew once I was into that season that I would be protected. And, you know, it showed from literally day one of the first, first game of the season, I knew, you know, as much stick as I was getting, I didn't care because I was protected by the team. Yeah. Just looking at that now, and obviously I, we, we all you know, we lived it obviously with you. But did you see a psychologist or anybody at that time? Were you speaking to you weren't at that time? You couldn't. There wasn't a support system in place, was there? In terms of that sort of net. No, again, you know, and going back on the era that I grew up in, and we all grew up in, you know, and obviously coming from where I was from, I was from a working class family, you know. And if I turned around to my dad at the time and said. Dad, I don't feel great today. Can I see a therapist? I need to talk about it. He'd be like, boy, just get on with it. You know, and that's, that's how I was brought up. So, no, I didn't see anyone. Um, I felt that I had the right people around me to not see, to, to, to not see anyone. Um, but I, th I also do think, you know, these days we talk about mm. people being able to talk, mm -hmm. and it's a good thing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I grew up in an era where... You know, my dad would just say, go and get on with it, boy. Well, Cara just mentioned, what advice would you give to Harry Maguire who's going through a similar time now where he's getting a lot of criticism every time he plays for England or even for United? Do you know what? Harry's just got to keep doing what he's doing. At the end of the day, he's got to focus on football, which he, which he does. He's a good lad. He's had a great career. Has the criticism gone too, too much? I think it has. I think as well, what else is it? Being a defender, you know, every single game... You know what I mean? I As you two can vouch. You're living in fear. It wasn't every game. We were all right. You're living in. You're right. A defensive mindset is you're living in fear of making a mistake. Yeah, of making yeah. a mistake because it, when you look at Harry, Harry Maguire and some of the stuff, I don't want to take too far down there, but any mistake he makes, it turns into a massive meal. I can't even imagine what that would have been like in '98 if when Bex came back from the World Cup, if we had social media, yeah. if if he's still sitting there. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's have a look at. Um, we've got a. Pulse 98 clip. Let's have a look at this. Still getting booed everywhere he goes, David Beckham. Personally, I think the continuing vendetta against Beckham is quite ridiculous. And oh dear! Tim Sherwood. <laughs> Any time that I got kicked during that season, it was like the team had scored two goals. Beckham! Jesus! Is that Sinton? Lucky for Bex, he's got players in his team. That can flatten people. Yeah. Nice one, Keenan. Go on, Keenan. You go after him, you're going after all of us. It's inhumane what he had to put up with. Inhumane. It would have broke everybody. It would have broke probably 99.9% .9 of footballers. How do you function? I don't know. I honestly, I actually don't know. Wow. Gives me goosebumps, yeah. I mean, that just takes you back to that moment. And was that the lowest point in your football career? The free kick. <laughs> 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 we were sitting there expecting it to fly in. You got? 
Um, it was a low point, but you know, I think we all go through those yeah. those moments, and you know, that was my turn after the World Cup. And but I always talk about that. You know, I did make a mistake, um, and I was obviously punished for it. But at the end of the day, I think we all we all make mistakes, and um, you know, I was I was thankful though that I had the right people around me to get over it. You say about. Um, low points, we've all been through low points. I don't think there's many of us, you see what Harry Maguire's going through, I don't think many of us have been as low as that, uh, where you went. Because even, I remember even in our dressing room, we, we were talking about how bad it was. Remember the effigies at West Ham and all this stuff, but, you know, I don't think that a lot has been to the depths that you've been through. Mm. This is why I suppose... Well, I suppose it, it, it was more than just about the football in the end. I think that was, that was the tough part. You know, I had, I had people uh, doorstepping my, my grandparents' yeah. house. Um, and then, obviously, you know, I, I would go out for dinner in London. People would spit at me wow. or, you know, punch the windows when they saw it was me at the light. And when I was in London, that's obviously where I'm from. Mm. So, you know, it was, it was tough. But, you know, thankfully, like I said, I had, I had good people around me. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But let, let's look at another clip, and this is talking about when you f- first came to Manchester. I like nice stuff. Oh, what's he like? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as we got money, it was like, I want to buy a nice watch. I love shopping, I love cars, I love watches. Let's have a look at your watch, what is it? It's a Rolex. This is interesting. Yeah, that's Gucci. I suppose you got to look good for the paparazzi. So you said you like nice stuff. <laughs> Some dodgy wow. stuff in there too. It looks like Ted's jacket. I signed a contract with Adidas. For 50,000 pounds. And I went and bought an M3 for Fifty thousand pounds. <laughs> what is the obsession with the cars, man? Bentley's Porsche, yeah. He was the first to kind of turn that he upped everyone's game in the car park. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not yours, that was your prelude. <laughs> David used to get his salary on a Friday, he used to spend it on a Saturday all, and then spend the next five days waiting for his next salary to get the jeans to match. That was him. Have money, spend it, have money, spend it. Have money, spend it. Where me and Gary were like, let's save it for a rainy day. Oh. <laughs> he's still like that. Yeah, he's still like that. <laughs> I have a pension. We used to put money into a pension, and David's like, what the fuck are you doing? He came in, he was like, I've just bought a fancy pen. And we're like, who the fuck buys a pen? You know what I mean? Who buys a, a, an expensive pen? Shorts and clothes, I get all that in cars. But who buys a pen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... 
if you were coming through now, obviously, I mean, your football was a high standard, but you, but you would be attacked for the flashness. And you were back then, weren't you, in yeah. terms of, you know, in the, even in the dressing room, we'd be like, this kid's a bit flash-like compared <laughs> to us. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, all of you said it to me. You always used to call me the flash cockney. Uh, and, and that was always something that you always said, um, because you always said that I was more of a United fan than any of you. I used to wear the tracksuits, I used to have the nice boots. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I grew up really, you know, like I said, I like nice things. <laughs> I do like nice things. Uh, and, and I suppose, again, that era, people weren't, you know, I, driving Bentleys into training. And when I bought the Bentley, that was the first time I saw the gaffer looking out the window and I was like, uh. so I parked it around the corner. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, you, he's gone, you're, you're having a go with him for being flash. I mean, would you rather have a go for being flash? You know, sponsorship deals, or have a go for looking like <laughs> Jesus. Pony. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 I'd I, rather be the Flash yeah. Cockney, would you? <laughs> yeah, but I like the gear. I remember when, when, when you came to England. For that, no. <laughs> when you came to England and that, I remember we used to talk about, like, the Maharishi gear and talk about... I used yeah. to... I like that, all that sort of stuff. I remember the... the was it a purple... You could always dress, though, right? Well, to be honest, you I don't always, want to say... I'll probably quote you on that one day, but... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that, like... I, I don't know if it's... A, it's not a London thing as well, but... Maybe seeing that picture of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it was a London thing. You but I think it was. Yeah, it's the gear. I was exactly the same. You're the same. You just like you like nice things like that. I bet he's you got a mean? nice pen. Yeah, you brought an expensive pen, pen? in today. You know the one where you know the one where you press it's red, green, uh, yeah. blue. <laughs> it's just interesting because I always thought, to be fair, you were always massively respectful of Bex, or even when he left. But actually, it's the type of player that you ordinarily might be a little bit hard on because of the Rolexes, the Bentley, the cars and stuff like that. Only if a player didn't back it up now. Yeah, exactly. I, I, Again, I'll be sitting there, listen, I'm not a dinosaur. We all walk with players who had a different taste and would spend their money. But I, it never bothered me as long as they backed it up. My worry would always any players, if they were doing that and they were spending their money, and again, good luck to them. But if they didn't want coming in training properly and that became the priority, that was always my worry. But I, I never found it with Bex, so that's why... We never fell out. My problem with Bex is that I was always worried that Bex is spending so much, you've got to worry about when you finish. NFA pension. Long song. To be fair, all him and his kid went on about was a pension. You know, Paul Brooks. Remember Paul Brooks? Yeah. Paul Brooks used to come up and say, <laughs> OK. Paul Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned around to Victoria the other day, I was like, I, said, I wonder if my pension's still there. I don't know whether I'm still, like, earning from it. It's or tax putting reason, some... I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all they went on about. That's all they went on about. Just talk to us a little bit about how the manager was with you around these types of things. We're going to show a couple of clips in a minute around your haircuts and clothes and stuff like that, where it started to get a little bit tense towards the end. But you were poking him, weren't you, a little bit? Did you know you were poking him? No. Did you, you didn't? No, not at all. I was just kind of... Keenish just looking being... out of here, calling me off. <laughs> a little bit. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> you were tweaking the tail of the tiger, weren't you? <laughs> no, I didn't, because I, I was just doing it because I wanted to do it. You know, I, I, did, I, I suppose I knew that it was something that the manager wouldn't agree with, but like Keeney said, as long as I'm turning up for training on time, training yeah. and, and playing at the weekend to the standards, then it wouldn't be a problem. But I think... You know, that's what changed over the years, you know. And then, you know, obviously Cristiano came to the club, was, you know, doing what he was doing, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch. And the, the gaffer had kind of softened at that point mm. to a certain 
you know, to a certain level. But when I obviously when I was doing it, it was a different time and and. But is it because you come through as a kid? Maybe. You'd come through from fourteen, hadn't you? Basically, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But obviously, there were certain moments where the gaffer had tell me to do something, and I'm quite stubborn. So you know, to even with my dad sometimes or my mum when they would tell me to do things, I'd, I wouldn't question it, but I'd be a bit hesitant. And I was the same with the manager. So I suppose at that point when the manager was telling me to do things and I weren't doing them. You know, I suppose it all goes back to when he first asked me to, you know, when we talked about getting an agent and he told me to go with someone, oh, he wanted yeah. me to go with someone yeah. and I didn't, I went with someone else that he right. didn't agree with. Right. So then obviously that was a tough moment for us, <clears> but it's yeah. things like that, I suppose, that upset the manager. That's called power and control, David. <laughs> but I look back now, I mean, at the time, I thought you were mad at times, because obviously I was living this with you. I had more meetings with the manager about you than I did about myself. <laughs> Because he would sometimes say, you know, try and get into you around things like age and around what you're wearing, travelling to London. Mm. When I look back now, if you hadn't have done those things, you wouldn't have been where you were today, would you? In um, terms of sort of like, you know, you think about the global nature of you and what you always wanted to I suppose there were some things that obviously um, got highlighted because obviously once me and Victoria were together, everything that we did mm. were more highlighted than any, probably anything that the manager had seen. So obviously, I, I suppose... All he was worried about was, you know, the football side. Um, nothing kept. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he was worried about me as a as a as a person as well, because obviously I'd grown up at the club, and he. I think he cared about us as as players. Um, but I suppose it was, you know, at the end of the day, I was. I wasn't travelling to London as much as the manager thought, but obviously More. because it... <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was three, it was four. <laughs> but to be fair, like, there's, there, there, there's one moment I talk about in the documentary that when I was, I was in Manchester and my phone rang and I picked it up and it was the gaffer and he went, Beckham, where are you? David, where are you? And I said, boss, I'm in Manchester just driving past the Trafford Centre. He said, no, you're not. He said, you're in Barcelona airport. My mate sat opposite you. And I was like, boss, I'm literally, I'm driving past it. He said, no, you're not. And then put the phone down. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. So it was things like that that happened. But at that point, I think... I'd have drove... should have gone by the ringtone. When he was your phone was ringing. I'd have drove straight to his house. <laughs> because then he's, he's, so that means in his mind, he said, right, he's, he's, it's like he's not listening. I'm not in Barcelona, I'm here. I'd have drove straight to his house and knocked yeah. the door. But, the, but, the, but then, you know, I suppose at that point... I remember Victoria being on tour with the Spice Girls and they were in um, Dublin for about four or five weeks. So I, without obviously telling anyone, I flew over to see Victoria one night because we had a day off the next day. Ryanair. Ryanair. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was on Ryanair. So I'm sat in, uh, I'm on the way back to Manchester. It's like 5.30 in the morning. I'm sat in the lounge just waiting to board. And the gaffer walks in. And you're like, oh, on the same flight. That's unlucky, that. It was, yeah, was it was he had the concert as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how's your luck, man? What a great night. Right? <laughs> Did he right. tell you that you couldn't drive um, two or three days before a game? Because I remember reading that and I was playing, like, I wasn't playing, I wasn't even semi-professional at the time. So I was like, I can't drive up the motorway three days before <laughs> yeah. a game. And I was like, well, I don't know how else I'm getting there because obviously <laughs> yeah. you might have got a driver or something like that. But did he tell you about your driving? No, not at all. Did he not? Not at all. No, it was it was all all about travelling down up and down to London because at that point we'd 
me and Victoria just bought a house in London in yeah. Hertfordshire, so he thought that we were living there and driving up. And he couldn't understand why I wanted a house in London, because obviously my life was in Manchester. But obviously, you know, me and Victoria from London at some point, you know, we were going to spend time there. So, yeah, you know, that's how it happened. But. Well, let's have a look at the. Uh, this is just a clip. The shaved head. Sir Alice asks him to take his hat off. No. And he said, David, take the cap off. And I said, no. The stubbornness. And I said, oh, well. And there's a new look about David Beckham. The blonde locks have gone. Yeah. The sight of the skinhead will take a bit of getting used to. Come on. You're asking for a bollocking. You're asking for trouble. He knew that would piss Sir Alex off. Why? <laughs> so why do it? That was his personality. Never bothered you. Never bothered me in the least. I used to think you better fucking back it up at the weekend. David Beckham. He was always gonna go for it. Yes, bro. Keeper. But the same old free kicks. He's gutted. Did it affect your relationship with Sir Alex Ferguson? No, not at all. Are you afraid of him? At times. <laughs> Just talk us through that a little bit, because there was one at Leicester, but then there was the, the Mohawk, wasn't mm. there? Yeah, I mean, the Leicester one, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I think it wasn't the haircut that probably upset him. It was probably the fact that I, I really didn't... No-one saw it until I actually came out to the pitch with the team before the start of the game. Even the warm-up, I wore a beanie. <laughs> and I don't know why, I just wore a beanie up until that point where I step on the pitch and, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the game. The mohawk was slightly different right. because I'd, I'd been doing... <laughs> 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 I had a photo shoot during that week and obviously for the yeah. photo shoot, I shaved my hair myself and then I did the mohawk. And then obviously, I think we were playing either in the charity, charity shield, shield or, yeah. and, the, and the gaffer, literally I took the hat off and he went, you, and he looked at me, he went, go and shave it off. <laughs> and we were just about to go out for the warm up. So I had to then get a pair of clippers, go into the, the changing room in, uh, wow. at Wembley and shave it off. <laughs> I, can I could understand that. Um, well, actually, I can't. But <laughs> <laughs> you went and shaved it off. Yeah. <laughs> I went and shaved it off because he wouldn't have played me. But there were those tensions, little tensions building through that time because just big characters. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, you were sort of, you weren't giving up where you obviously met Victoria. The, 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 the two of you were huge. I mean, the Spice Girls were a phenomenon at that time and Manchester United were a phenomenon just about to win the treble. And it was coming together, and it just do you think it just got too big for him in the end. The actual sort of noise around it all. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Power and control. What from him? No, the manager. That's how we managed. Never. You were getting older. We were all getting older. You were getting married, and obviously having kids. And the manager certainly didn't like that. Not having that control over mm. players, whether it be the agency, your haircut, where you were living, and no doubt he was getting fed up with it. Not just with you, Bex, with other players. Mm. Because he was losing that control with players. You talk about that control, but do you think he had that control over, over yourself, you, all the lads that come through? Because you're young players, you always feel like you, you're all the club or you're all the manager. Mm. But then you're getting old, you're getting more mature, and as Roy said, you've got your own family and you've got your own sort of ideas. But, but I always felt that I was making the right decisions. Mm. You know, I, I don't think that I ever made a decision that 
was harming the club or was harming my performance or harming my teammates. You know, yes, I was married to a Spice Girl and at that point it was like huge and, yeah. you know, it was a massive thing. And obviously the, the two of us coming together created, I think, an attention that, you know, the, the manager couldn't... I, I don't know whether it was that he didn't understand. He just didn't want that attention around the club. And I think that he, you know, over the years, the manager had always made the right decision in his eyes for the team and for the club, you know, for, for, for no other reason other than that. And I felt that that obviously was, was, you know, it happened to me in the end. You know, I didn't want to leave Manchester United at the time. Um, you know, we just won the league again. But, you know, all of a sudden I get a phone call to, to be told that United have agreed a deal and, and that was the end of it. And, you know, even trying to speak to the manager after that, he didn't want to talk to me. You know, it was purely, it wasn't that he, it was out of spite, it was purely, he was on holiday, he didn't want to be contacted, he'd made his decision and, and, that, and that was the end of it. Uh, but I think, you know, it happened notoriously over the years at Manchester United with, you know, Mark Hughes and Konchelskis and all of these, you know, Ince, you know, all of these great players, you know, getting let go at a time where we felt they were in their prime, but all of a sudden, manager makes the decision and that's all that matters. So. You know, that was that was really... But I never felt that I was doing anything that would harm the club. You know, I still love the club like I did when I was five years old. You and it was never always... an issue in the dressing room, was it? You were talking about no. your lifestyle and who you were married to, but it never was an issue in the dressing room, was it? We never felt... Could you imagine if you weren't winning? negative energy about it. Could you imagine if you weren't winning? That does help, right? Of course, when you're winning, yeah, but... It was never an issue in the dressing room. No. He seems really spicy in respects of, like you say, the training... Always turn up in training, always done the stuff. The same thing I saw when you was with England. I can't understand why he couldn't let it go, so Alex. He, he wouldn't let things go. I mean, that, he wouldn't let things sort of brew. Would, can, you, can you ever see, a, when you look back now, do you ever think of a life where you stay at Manchester United for the whole of your career? Because I know that's what your mum and dad wanted, wasn't it? You know, they were absolutely yeah, massive it's, reds. it's what I wanted. You know, yeah. I, at, at, when I was growing up, I was a United fan. So all I ever wanted to do was play my whole career at United, start there and finish there. But in all honesty, I now look back at it and I think that decision that the manager made actually was the best one for Manchester United and it was the best decision for me. You know, because I then went on to play for unbelievable clubs with unbelievable players. I don't think it was the best for United, Frank. I don't know if it was the best for Man United. I think it ends up being brilliant for you and living in a new country and trying something else, but I certainly don't think it was good for the dressing room. And, and I would say the same when NC left and these lads. When players go, you do think there was no real logical reason for a player to leave at that time. Well, you, you, were t you were in conversation, with, it was reported, with Bayern Munich and you were about to leave. How close were you to leave? Yeah, to very to close, Bayern? yeah. Wish I bloody had. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that do you wish been... you had, though? Uh, I wish I'd gone abroad, yeah. How about you, Vin? So, yeah, I'd agreed a deal. Yeah, my contract was up, obviously, a couple of times when I'd done my cruise ship and I came back. And I had opportunities to, to go, obviously, on a free. Mm. And, yeah, part of me is jealous when I see other lads now going abroad because it's a great experience for your family, and maybe. But, again, I was really happy at United and contented. If I knew it was going to end it, I'd look back now, loyalty and all that type of talk with Ferguson. I probably definitely should have gone abroad and experienced a, a different league. That's all I was. Well, I mean, I look back now at your life and you think that you were in Milan, Paris, Madrid, it would, LA. My would, life that would have be totally different. Yeah. It would be totally different because I'd have still been living in Manchester. You know, my life would have been completely different. Whereas... You've just been cashing in your pension. <laughs> <laughs>
But it's true, you know, I had the opportunity then to play in Spain, learn a new language, a new culture, and then from there obviously move to America. And then obviously when I move to America, then I have the opportunity to buy a team. Mm -hmm. So, and then I go to Milan, then I end my career in, in Paris. Um, so all of those things, and culturally, you know, it's something that I loved. You know, I love that I experienced playing abroad, you know, and like I said, when I, when I, when I was growing up, I had no intention of leaving Man United, but when it happened, <clears throat> it's probably the best thing that could have happened for my life. When I look back now, I, I think there was... Even though I didn't want it. Yeah, the, I think there was another reason, and obviously Carlos had come to the club, and I think he wasn't having me and you together down that side. We'd mm. played together... Often. He was the first person to come in and not be happy with, me and obviously, you, yeah. me and you. We played for seven or eight years together, haven't oh, we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Need more of these sweets. <laughs> but what I mean is, down that right side, it was like a partnership, and we played together, and I just felt at that point he would either want me in or you in. Mm. Ollie would come in in front. surprising you got rid of me and not you. He's <laughs> <laughs> on less wages, though, don't you? <laughs> so let's have a look at this. Where is it? There we go. Gary Neville. Beckham. We were absolutely destroying teams down that right-hand side. He was with his crossing, and I was supporting him in a way which, to be fair, was... i say it was a side dish, really. <laughs> it's another full of collection for David Beckham. Not the beef. I was the mustard on the side. <laughs> Gary was Mr. Sensible. I was the mustard to your beef. Oh, Gaz, Gaz always talked. He could always talk, and we very rarely listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just that special connection between us. First of all, do you think he's a good player? Yeah, I think he's going to be the best midfielder in um, England. I'm sure of that he's unique in that he can do things that other footballers can't do. Gary Neville. I was subservient Beckham. because I need David to go and do something magical. Glorious ball. He was practicing free kicks, I was practicing throw-ins. <laughs> Beckham. It's a difficult ball, but how about that for execution? We were like that on the pitch. It was telepathic. Off the pitch as well, I knew where he was in his mind. It wasn't enough for him. He wanted to be more than a football player. Now, I've got to know this fella. Really well <laughs> over the last go. 10 years. <laughs> Sabotaging <laughs> my own show. <laughs> but no one, you're told you're like that. Mm. Best man at your wedding, so nobody can know this man okay. better than David Beckham. So we're going to go back to a magazine here in 1996. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the questions <laughs> mm. and you tell me what you think his answers would be. If the world was to end tomorrow, what would you do with your last day? What did Gary Neville say? Check his pension. You've got to remember 1996, yeah. you're in there. Right? Yeah. Um, what would it be? I suppose play at Old Trafford. I would right. sleep all day and just relax. I love relaxing. <laughs> I guess I'm lazy. Who's that? This is the busiest man <laughs> in football. Did I say that? Yes, you said that. Uh, I'll meet some person. Wow. Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> Who gets the most attention from Gales, you or Phil? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I used to get Bex's knockdowns. Yeah, I'll tell you What's what his answer. answer. What? I don't know really. We probably get the same amount as each other. <laughs> 
I don't really like it much. Apart from anything else, I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> I like supporters of football, whatever sex they are, but it's not so great when you're on a night out and girls just sit next to you and, and stuff. But to be honest, it doesn't happen to me so often. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, by the way? It's on biography. Oh, yeah, what have we got it's here? United magazine. It's got to be United. What is it? What magazine is it? Well, you ruined your... That we did the players yeah, pool. Yeah. Use a room. For a bit. What annoys you most about your roommate? About him? No, what's so he's, he's being asked that, and oh, he's so you're his roommate. It's got to be how tidy I am, and how much I come on the phone to Victoria. Yes, he's always on the phone, he stays up late as well, which I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> That's nine o'clock, by the way. I used to have to I, go and lie in the bath. And on yeah. the phone. What, who would be your ideal date? What do you think he said? Who did he fancy in the room? Uh, Besides you. Who did Gary fancy? I don't want to say the wrong thing. Is <laughs> <laughs> it Baby Spice? I'll tell you myself. <laughs> 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 baby Spice. It is now! <laughs> I feel like it's like a Debbie from work. Who was it? Who was it, Joe? Like, he's getting this information. He's, he, you know, he's putting it in. Like I say, I've got a girlfriend. Bolt. Bolt. Princess Diana. Oh, oh see? Yeah. Class, classy bloke. The girl out of Braveheart. Oh, yeah, his yeah, wife that got killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah his wife that got killed. Yeah, good, yeah. Good child, yeah, good yeah. And Olivia Newton John. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Quite a high level. I've got a girlfriend, but he's free. free. So then the next question is. <clears throat> So you're not a Pamela Anderson fan, right? No. <laughs> and you've said... No, these models look all right, but they do me head in. <laughs> what model have you ever spoken to? The thing is, he could look at someone on telly like Victoria and go and actually marry her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Josephine, we actually were rooming together in Georgia when you first watched that video of Victoria with the, uh, yeah. the cats. I've got the uh, seal yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, black cat. <clears throat> was that it? He was watching the one of yeah. Emma Bunton. Hey, <laughs> you, what? Emma Bunton. <laughs> <laughs> I said I like Baby Spice, but it's never quite worked out. <laughs> I thought you might. She must have met you. She must have met me. That really that old straight away. Yeah. <laughs> right, your dad's here today. Ted, come on, in you come. Ted, in you come. Come and stand round here. Oh, Teddy, Teddy. I'm going to say sorry for anything he says. Just get legal, Zach. No swearing. I try not to. Ted, you watched him every single step of the way, and you must be so proud, obviously, now. The film's coming out this week. It must be good to reflect upon everything that's happened. Yeah, it's been it's been an absolutely wonderful career for him. And uh, as a dad, I mean, there aren't many dads that um, wish their son like, you know, had a son like him. I mean, he's been brilliant. And uh, his career's been cracking. Mm. Where, where does he get the stubbornness from, yeah. Ted? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously from me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's, uh, he's a good lad. Mm. <laughs> Just talk to us about, obviously, family. And, you know, you've obviously travelled all around the world, but you're probably more settled now than you've ever been in terms of, obviously, finishing your career. Mm. Yeah, I've always said, and it's like everyone, you know, my family's the most important thing to me. You know, as, as much as I love football, as much as I've had, obviously, the career that I've had and played for the teams that I've played for, 
my number one thing is always my family and my every decision that I make is is for them uh, you know even doing the documentary you know I want them to have something you know I want my mum and dad to have something that they can look back on and and it's all in one place it's you know it's um, family's the most important thing to me um, but like like my dad you know my dad talks about my mum and dad never missed a game you know, no matter where I was playing, apart from obviously LA, it was a little bit too far from East London for them to travel every every weekend. But other than that, they were at every game, every youth team game, every reserve team game, like your mum and dad were, you know, and, and the community that we had, you know, at that time, you know, in you know, in the youth team. It wasn't just us that were friends and teammates, it was our parents as well that all hung out, they all went on holiday together, they all travelled together. And it was a special thing. But the family part for me is, is, is the most important thing. What, what, what's your thoughts, Ted, in terms of obviously now your football career's finished? I will say, you know, everybody goes on about Cantona, but this man here... You, oh, you, you're too you, kind. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he means you, his lads! <laughs> <laughs> but the team wouldn't have won so much if it hadn't been for him, because I've watched... I've got probably 1,300 videos of David's games and whatever, and England games, um, but especially Man U. And this, this man here, he, he worked his socks off for the team. Mm. And it proved, you know, when, when he got booked against Juventus, you know, he still played like he, you know, was going to play in the final. But it's been incredible. Um, football, to me, has been my life. And uh, I've been there for him mm. and, you know, vice versa. Um, but uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, you, you support your kids, mm -hmm. um, and that's what me and his mum have done. Uh, it's a beautiful place to finish, and all the best to you. Thank you uh, with the film, and thank you very much for coming on. Nice Thanks. one, Bex. Thanks for having me on. Thank you Brilliant. so much. Thanks, thank you. you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.